All right, we are back with another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Today, we are reviewing a film that was nominated for an Oscar Best Picture in 2019, this past year, and it didn't win. It, it lost to Green Book, which um, is another film that we reviewed here on the podcast. And so we're excited to dive into this film. Uh, and there's just, there's so much to unpack with this film, especially. So we're super pumped. Sarah, what film are we reviewing today? We are reviewing Black Klansmen. Woohoo! <laughs> oh man, I am so, I've been looking forward to talking about this film with you since the day I saw it, which was, I think, like a month ago or so. I, immediately after seeing this, I was like, this is a film that Sarah and I are going to just unpack and rip apart in the best way though, not in a roast kind of way, but just, <laughs> you know, like savor all the pieces of it because there's so much that this film is trying to communicate and comments on and we're just here for it. We're so here for it. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm so pleased that, uh, you saw it and told me that we needed to watch it and do it for the strategic whimsy experiment. I'm otherwise I probably wouldn't have seen it. So I'm really, really glad that you saw it and immediately texted me about it <laughs> I did I texted you I think I'd like gone to the bathroom came out and texted you because I was like oh, just have so many feels right now and I need to communicate <laughs> them to Sarah so she knows that this is something we have to do because it's one that I knew that you would appreciate a lot as well out of like all the humans I knew um you were the one that was like she would really appreciate how gutsy and ballsy this film is so without further ado, our tradition of our little plot summary at the beginning to kick it off. Sarah, do you want to take it away? Yes. Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado Springs, successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan branch with the help of a Jewish surrogate who eventually becomes its leader. And this is based on actual events. Okay, so I'm actually really curious. When you first heard about like the premise of the film or even the title of the film what were your thoughts uh so I remember I had gone to see another movie I don't remember what at this point in time but I walked out and I was looking at the posters and I saw this poster and immediately I got the wrong idea about this film I thought that it was going to be kind of like a like a Kevin Hart type movie because the idea of a black Klansman was so ridiculous. I thought that it was going to be a stupid comedy that <laughs> wouldn't uh, really create like a meaningful dialogue about race. I thought that it would reinforce racial stereotypes. I thought that it would just be a movie that I was not interested in. And then I really didn't think about it again until people started talking about it around um, Oscar season. And I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> this, is, this is nominated for things? I'm so confused. And then I learned uh, that it was a film by Spike Lee, and I didn't go any further than that until you texted me that I needed to see it. I didn't even know the premise of the movie when I was going in to watch the movie. I was oh. like, I don't know what this is, 
but we're just going to go for it. I know it's going to be intense. I know there's going to be controversy in it. And I know there's going to be stuff to talk about. Like, that's all I had going into this film. So (laughs) I went in really blind. um, And I'm really glad that I did go in blind or else I might have maybe formed some opinions before actually watching it. Mm. Yeah, I actually had a very similar initial reaction to this film when I first heard about it. I def I wrote it off as kind of this this comedy that was going to have some like interesting political points that I was trying to make, but it was going to be this like really over the top, very much the interview-esque with uh, Seth Rogen where it's this like super ridiculous premise and um, just like that very outrageous, extravagant type of humor. And when I heard about the fact that this whole plot was based on an actual real life event, I was floored. I, I didn't, I was shocked. I, and so then the intrigue kicked in and I was like, okay, so what actually happened and how much of this is actually true? which led to lots of research, and um, I'm really grateful that they did a lot of press releases with interviews with the real-life Ron Stallworth, and it's, it's, he has a whole book out, too, so it's just, it's crazy to think that something like this could happen, and um, I know Spike Lee, in a lot of his interviews, also commented on the same reaction that he had when Jordan Peele approached him with the premise. He was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, let's make a movie about that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because it's it's so ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. you, I mean, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> and like, I I love that they they poke fun at, at it in the movie when uh, David Duke is like, oh yeah, I can tell when I'm talking to a black guy while he's mm-hmm. talking to Ron Stallworth. I'm like, wow. Oh, man, to believe, like, the fact that this actually happened is, I, there are no words. It's it's so ridiculous that this happened, and I'm so glad that they were able to uh, put this story on the screen for us so that we could be part of it. Otherwise, I never would have heard about it, and now I really want to go buy Ron Stallworth's book and read it. I want to know more. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of what people were talking about after Hidden Figures came out as well, about how they didn't even know that there was this whole story of women that were working in NASA and how pivotal they were. But because this film had been created, this is this story is now very much more on the forefront of our minds and what we know to, about history, which is kind of one that's kind of a cool thing that it's able to do that. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, Maybe we can start out with talking about just the the very delicate and artfully done balance of the emotional beats that really like hit you in the gut and then the humorous parts that give you kind of a chance to take a breath and breathe a little. This film does an incredible job of that. Yeah, I I completely agree and that's a hard balance to do I mean we're the whole premise is ridiculous so that already makes it have this added little bit of humor to it Mm -hmm. even though they're doing such serious things like there was so many times throughout the movie where I was like 
Ron Stallworth, you could get shot right now, bro. Like, I need you to back up, <laughs> like, protect yourself. But because it was such a ridiculous concept, there was still humor, even in those dangerous moments. And I loved uh, the way that um, there were so many little things that um, between Adam Driver and who played Ron Stallworth? Denzel Washington's son. Yes. That, I just, I yes. knew that it was Denzel's son, but I just didn't remember his name. I think his name's name. Michael, I want to say. You're so close. Is John David Washington. Oh, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> you were so close. But there were so many little moments when, with just their like body language or the way that they would look at each other that were just so comical to me because they were so human. And that's what I really enjoyed about this is it, they didn't try to make these, you know, knee slapping moments, but they just allowed for those little human moments that we all have where we just see something or like two people make eyes at each other and it's just <laughs> a funny thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the way that this film is framed where you get to see that kind of camaraderie between Adam Driver and um John David Washington, not Michael. Well done. <laughs> um and I don't I forget the other actor and his character's name, but the third guy that's kind of part of the crew. You got to you get to see this crew attempt to pull off this crazy this whole crazy premise and it had the same type of adrenaline and I want to say fun I, that feels like the wrong word to use here but the adrenaline and kind of the excitement of a heist film and there's this ragtag group of um, buddies that are trying to pull it off and I, I, I think that helped make this film feel less heavy and burdened and preachy it because of that like bit of fun infused throughout um, where you get to see them interacting and slapping jokes with each other and um, I thought that that was a really great way to balance out the really heavy emotional beats yeah I can I completely agree and it was it really felt effortless mm -hmm. which was just it's a necessary component especially in a movie like this where you know, it's, man, it's so heavy mm -hmm. at the same time. So to make it effortless and fun and light when talking about the Ku Klux Klan, like, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the on the flip side of that is not infusing too much humor to the point where it's kind of this, like, mockery or this joke of a thing that you're seeing unfold on the screen. Um that really delicate sweet spot in the middle is so challenging to nail as well as he did. And I feel like the other thing that Spike Lee and the, the other writers did really, really well was even though it was a movie about these two opposing groups, um, they humanized both sides, which in a, in a film like this, a black man infiltrating the KKK, it would have been so easy to make the, the clan members two-dimensional or 
um, really, really evil. And somehow they managed to even humanize them. They're still misguided. They're still fueled by hate. What they were doing was not okay. But they didn't make them into the absolute worst people ever. Mm -hmm. You know, like David Duke was still personable and he was this larger than life figure, even though he was spouting all of this racial hatred. And then you could see these other guys in the clan, like they had their own personalities, their own lives that they were dealing with. And even the cops, like some of them were absolute jerks, but some of them were a lot more sympathetic. They were just Mm -hmm. in a hard spot. So to be able to show multiple sides of this issue was really, really impressive. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I, I have a I have a thought, but I want to talk about the ending. And before we do that, <laughs> we should insert our "Hey, spoilers are coming!" big flashing neon sign um, before we talk about the ending, because I think it, it's it would be such a disservice to being able to see this movie the way that it was intended if you went in knowing. How that how it ended. So, big disclaimer, insert here. <laughs> if you haven't seen Black Klansman yet, uh, please go watch it before continuing to listen. So, one of the things about the ending um, that I think is kind of connected to the, what we were talking about with humanizing the the members of the KKK and also the the parts we were talking about with the humor is that the there was so much more emotional weight to everything that you watched throughout the two hours of the film in the last like five minutes. Like everything felt heavy and then right when you thought that you were done and we're about to wrap up, it just kind of like hits you in the gut and elevates everything you just watched to, to stakes, like the size of the stakes just were dramatically increased all of a sudden. And I think that goes for the stark contrast to all of the humorous moments in the film, but also all these characters, the KKK members, the cops, you see them as characters until you don't at the end. And that was, oh man, I don't even, that was like probably one of the like best endings of a film um that had so much to say and really like finished it off with this like gut punch that was so well done just blew me away it's one of those endings where you don't know what to do with yourself after (laughs) yeah I, i feel like with 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 most movies you see it it ends there's like this huh, that was a thing. And then like you just get up and go about your merry way. But with the way that this film ended, I legitimately didn't know what to do with myself afterwards. I was like, I, what do I do? I don't, I don't know. How do yeah. I process this? What, what's going on? Because it, it took you out of this fictional world, out of the 1970s, back to 2017, when stuff like this was still happening. And I think it was so beautifully put together with the the footage um, when it starts that was from what, Gone with the Wind? 
And then mm. uh, Alec Baldwin's racist rant that I was so taken aback by. I was not ready <laughs> for that. And then this period of time in the 1970s. So you're thinking like, oh, things are getting better as we're progressing through time. So, you know, this was the 70s, you know, 2019, we're good. And then you mm -hmm. see footage from 2017 that really happened and go, oh, crap. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Yeah. And I think that is such a gutsy way to end this film. And in my opinion is what makes it so special. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just this work. I mean, yeah, it really happened, but it, we were inserted into the story and we were brought back to reality and forced to confront some things that, you know, if you're not black, you probably don't confront all the time. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was such a beautiful and yet kind of assaulting way of doing mm -hmm. it. And I can think of, there, I don't think there would have been a better way to end it. Yeah. And the way it shattered this fictional world that we were living in and immediately, like, without any any indication of it, just, like, threw us into yeah. the present day. And I watching this the second time around, the transition between the shots from, like, movie world into real world was, like, a very – it was like there was no inspired by a true story. Here's some photographs and here's a real life mm -hmm. Ron Stallworth. It was like almost as if it was the same taken from the same footage. It was from the first shot that the last shot in movie land was um, the members of the KKK and they're um, doing a cross burning. And then the next shot, the first shot in real life land is these like white supremacists in that um, Unite the Right rally. Mm -hmm. with the torches so it still had that continuation that you almost didn't know whether or not that next shot was in you didn't know it was in reality until it you it begins to dawn on you oh wait like we've now left this fictional universe like this this is present day this is real footage and that graceful and super unassuming transition will I think made it a lot more powerful than if they had had the credits roll or ended the film, showed some photographs, and then showed that um, footage from the Charlottesville attack. Like that, that emotional weight would have been so much diminished. Oh man, so good. Uh, uh, well done, Spike Lee. Well you know done. What's also crazy is that they started filming this film. And then seven days later, I believe, is when the Charlottesville attack happened. So they actually really didn't plan for it to be the ending until it was mm -hmm. the ending. It's kind of like we, our current society wrote the ending for this film without even realizing it, which also is crazy to me. I actually had thought he created this and went into it with the very purpose of that being the end, but it actually wasn't the case. Yeah, because wasn't this... It premiered a year after the Charlottesville attack, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and they started filming this, I believe, like yeah. a few days before, and then the Charlottesville attack happened, and then Spike Lee was like, "That's this. That's going to be the ending. It's got to be the ending of this film." Wow, and yeah. he was right. Yeah, <laughs> it did. 
Wow. It's crazy. Super, super crazy. Yeah, I the theater that I was in was silent after this film ended. Um, when there's like a few shots on screen, a photograph of the girl who passed away and then Mm -hmm. the flag that was backwards and then faded kind of like faded into black like that whole part I loved that he kept that silent as well oh me too so elegantly done he could have put this like I don't know music behind it or this soft piano reflective music but it was just quiet and silent and you're alone with your thoughts and I thought that was also a really great choice so One of the things that I would love to talk about is, and because this was a thought that I had after leaving the the theater, was how powerful it was to see footage and videos of the Charlottesville attack. I think I had seen maybe a few clips, um, you know, at the top of a news article. They kind of have like a two-minute video sometimes, but... I don't remember like watching a lot of the footage of the attack. And this is one of the things that I found as um, one of the parts that film is able to be so powerful as a a cultural shaper of our society is that it can show the emotional side of what is, can be, or is typically a news headline or an article or words on a screen. And I, that was one of the thoughts that was running through my head as well, that emotional tones of, of what it was like to be there and, and how chaotic and um, emotional it was and how many white supremacists showed up for the rally. Like, I didn't really have a gauge of that number, to be honest, before seeing this film, but, you know, that I got to see some of that footage. And I think it's one of the really powerful ways that film can reveal to us things that we as you know normal citizens that we may not have had time or um, taken the effort to go find for ourselves but this film really did that for me and I was so appreciative of that fact but I, I hadn't really thought about film as being able to do that until seeing Black Klansman. Yeah when when those images showed up I was immediately taken back to where I was when that happened um, because I I remember watching the footage and I remember talking about it with friends and as as the news reports continued to come in and, and we were flipping back and forth between different channels so that we could, you know, learn new information and, and then when, you know, the, the president and various other influential people talked about the shooting and the massacre, like we discussed all of those things. So like watching that footage after this movie took me right back to where I was that day. Mm -hmm. And so film is so powerful in that it can engage so many of our senses and just lets our imaginations go to all these different places. And so Mm -hmm. it was such a powerful moment and such a powerful memory for me and I can only imagine what that did for other people who might have been there or people of different races who were absolutely terrified after this happened so 
I know for me as a white woman, that was powerful, but I can't imagine how powerful that would have been for others. Yes. And I think especially in kind of an age today where we, we consume media very differently now, and that includes the news. Um, it's, it's often these like quick little snippets or, um, you know, conversations with people or you read an article here and an article there, you watch like a 20 minute segment on it, some interviews, listen to the radio. But I think to sit in a dark theater for two hours and 15 minutes with no distractions, no phones, no text coming in, and to just kind of like sit with an issue is is a really powerful thing. I was actually thinking about this the other day when I went to see a film. I was like, when else do we have people's attention for this amount long of a period of time, like two hours, where typically most people are not on their phones and they're not being distracted? Like, when else do we actually have people's attention like this? And I really couldn't think of another time where we could get someone to sit in front of you for two, three hours uninterrupted when they can't leave typically. And you have their attention and you can you can tell them something or show them something and i i think sometimes films can be misunderstood as portraying you know fantasy or fiction and this film very much uh does the opposite where it kind of opens your eyes to what is real that you may not even be as aware of or you may not even have delved into as deeply as it's it's inviting you to. And so the way that this film was able to show the realism of our world today and um, do it in a way that still was entertaining was in- incredible. I mean, it, this reminded me so much of The Wire where you, you're invested in these characters, you're along for the ride, you're um, entertained, but you're also becoming more awake and aware to very real realities that you might not encounter really without this film or the TV show kind of leading you to those places. And because it wasn't done under the skies of based on a true story, it didn't, even though it was all rooted in reality, it, I wasn't annoyed buy it <laughs> like I am with mm-hmm. I don't know 90% of the movies today that are like based on a true story and I'm like oh my lord stop yeah. with the true stories already mm-hmm. um, so because it was framed so differently it was a lot more palatable for me at least yeah yeah I totally agree I'm sure that this film has sparked a lot of conversation <laughs> it's hard for it not to one of the things that um was mentioned in a conversation I had after watching this film with my family was a question that I hadn't really, I personally wasn't ruminating on. I was thinking about other things, but it really made me think and it'd be, it'd be awesome to unpack it a little bit um, here. So after watching this film, I saw it with my family. And one of the, the questions that my mom posed was, and she, it, she didn't have a necessarily point of view on this yet, but just kind of in our conversation, she posed this question, like, do you think that this film could potentially be more divisive for people, um, for our society? Do you think it will, because it's so 
powerful and is clearly conveying such a um, such a gut punch of a message that this could in fact make both sides more extreme rather than showing pathways of reconciliation between the two groups. And I was like, huh, like that's a take that I wouldn't have thought. In my mind it was like, wow, this is going to open a lot of people's eyes. This is awesome. But if it's opening people's eyes that may have been more docile, but this this film serves maybe as a catalyst to make them become more extreme in a way where where they tend even more deeply towards their white supremacist views or their racist views, like that could be slightly problematic. I don't know. So I'm curious your thoughts on that question because it really got me thinking. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that until you mentioned it. And I think that might have something to do with the the age difference between us and our parents. Because I know this isn't true, obviously, of all millennials. You know, we're all special little snowflakes, so you can't lump us all into one group. But a lot of the millennials that I know, race isn't something that we we really struggle with as much. We will have meaningful conversations about race. We'll discuss our differences, things like that. But we don't have as many of those racial divides, I feel like, that our parents did. Mm -hmm. So I think that could be part of it. Like after watching this I texted some of my friends and were like, oh my gosh, have you seen Black Klansmen? You need to, because I'm so excited to get their perspective on it um, as a Black man or woman that I don't have. So I see this as a beautiful way to start a dialogue. Mm -hmm. But I think that your mom is right, that for some people, this probably will just cause them to retreat to their own corners. And I think with anything, you're going to take out of a film what you want to take out of it. So if you are passionate about racial reconciliation and that's that's where you're going towards, then you're going to see that in this film and you're going to see like, wow, we need to wake up to this and, you know, all of that. But if you're used to a certain way of doing things and this starts to mess with it, you'll probably put your walls up a little bit more Mm -hmm. and you'll go on the defensive instead of maybe taking a brick or two out of that wall so that you can start a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think this film does a great job for kind of being that wake up call for people that may not be as deeply passionate about the issue or may not be as knowledgeable about like the the uh, how bad our racial issue still is today but for that group of people that is already tending towards racist tendencies like this a lot of the messaging this film around like the revolution is coming arm yourself like we got to be prepared like black power white power that could be a catalyst for becoming deeper into their existing beliefs or feeling like, oh, the other side is rising up. We need to rise up as well. And I don't think this is a, 
it's nothing against the film. I think the film did a great job for what it was intended. It's more like for the vast and diverse audience that is receiving this film, I'm sure it will be interpreted in many different ways and in ways that may be opposite to what the film's original intent could be. And that says more about the person who's consuming it and interpreting it that way than it does about the film itself. But um, that is an interesting uh, kind of like outcome or ripple effect that this film will have that is kind of the opposite of what the film actually intends to do, which is just an interesting like tension and dichotomy there. Like I guess I was thinking about like how could this film have been portraying certain parts differently or maybe it didn't need to at all you know I don't know it just got me thinking yeah I've just been so fascinated at the fact that we need a film like this in 2019 Mm -hmm. I think I think that's where I've just been camped out mentally going wow we're We've made progress, sure, maybe, but racism is alive and well, and we see that everywhere. Like, we're, we're recording this now, and just a couple of days ago, a white supremacist killed, I think the death toll is at 50 people now, in New Zealand. And so the fact that in 2019 when we like to think of ourselves as highly evolved and, you know, these, I just, these well-adjusted people and we're still dealing with these same things with such deep hatred and deep racism and, and people are divided and, you know, they're in their different groups shouting at each other. Like I, I just can't get the past the fact that, this film is so timely and so appropriate and so needed. And that is so sad to me. So I think probably my biggest takeaway from this was just mourning our culture Mm -hmm. and just the state of where we are as a country here in America and as a, a global people it's so, it's so sad to me. Like, guys, we can do so much better than this. We should, we should be doing better. Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk about, um, we'll go more in depth with comparing this film with Green Book in kind of a special bonus episode. So stay tuned for that because I think it'll prompt for a really interesting conversation. But one of the things that I was thinking about after leaving this film as well, going off of your thought is, I think this film doesn't intend to provide like a clear solution or a clear path forward or, you know, try and create this like hope of like, wow, look at this like one story of two people who really reconciled across their differences or whatnot. Like this film's intent, I think, is genuinely to be a wake up call and to kind of unveil what is still happening today that we're making progress but this still exists and I think its intent is really to kind of like toss some cold water at you and like slap you a few times and get you to like wake up 
versus to be this like uplifting film, which I think is a really interesting take. I, I, a lot of films don't choose to go that route because it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel fun, right? Like, it's not like a Saturday night, like fun flick to see, but it's an important one. And I, I think one thing I respect so much about this film is how gutsy and ballsy it is to just flat out like punch you in the face a couple times and get you to like open up your eyes and see. Um, so I, I just have, this is so unique of a film to me because it, it's so unabashedly doing that and does not care. Um, it's just, it has one clear intent and it will like bring it home. It absolutely achieved its objective. (laughs) Like 100%, like you know it from like minute one, like, oh, you are going to punch me in the face. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And it was just, it was so good. And it was so tasteful, the punching in the face. Like it was, yeah, it was, it was a very, ah, man, like, so when, when you've been in a dark room for a long time and then you turn on a light, it's a little um, assaulting to your eyes. You feel a little bit offended at first. And I feel like that's how this movie is. <laughs> like a huge light was just flashed in your eyes and you're going, Oh my gosh, what do I do? Mm-hmm. But you're so thankful for that light. And you're so thankful to have gone through that process and to see this different side of things. So I really hope that a lot of people walked away from this film and even though there was no like call to action per se, Mm -hmm. that they walked away with a different mentality or maybe just a little shift in their perspective. Man, I really hope so. Cause I feel like this, this film, it's so powerful and it's so needed and can do so much good if people are in the right space to allow that to happen. Yes. And we often talk a lot about how film is able to be this like powerful shaper of culture. And and we love kind of picking out those places where films do that. So in, um, you know, Captain Marvel, there's a lot of commentary on this whole refugee crisis that's happening, but it's so like, so subtly weaved in throughout the plot. And it's so masked where you, you can see those themes, but it's, it's not really explicit. It's just like a character. And this film like just has, feels no need to do any of that. It's this like very blatant, I am telling you something here and I hope to God you're listening. And I'm just painting it very clearly in front of you. And I don't feel the need to like weave it into some plot line and some characters and some themes. Like I will just tell it to you explicitly. And gosh, I just love that level of like bluntness that this film has. Like this film feels like that friend that will just like tell you how it is and does not feel any need to sugarcoat anything. And it like kind of like hurts a little when you get like when you hear them say something, but I I love those people. Like those are my favorite kind of people because they just don't care. They have a message they want you to know and they're doing it out of love and they'll just tell you how it is and they don't need to sugarcoat it. And this film feels like the film version of that friend who's just like, girl, you've been slacking and you need to pick yourself up and 
this is what needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good analogy. I like it. <laughs> um, all right, so there's a lot of other themes that this film weaves in throughout. Uh, we probably don't have time to really deep dive into a lot of them, but um, some of them are commentary on the police, um, Adam Driver's whole storyline, the commentary on our current political situation with our president. Which do we want to dive into first? Uh, Adam Driver. Okay. Um, he, I'm so, so glad with how they took that character because in, in films like this in particular, it would be easy to have very much like an us versus them situation. And as a white person watching it, then I would feel like, oh man, I look like the bad guys. Um, how do I process this? And so for Adam Driver to be a Jewish man who has gone his entire life just thinking that he was a white guy, but then when he's infiltrating the KKK to be confronted with, wait, they hate me too, even though I don't identify as that. And he's really wrestling with his identity. Not only was that a great thing to make this film a little bit more palatable for white audiences who I feel really need to watch this movie, but it, it added tension because you're going, Oh my gosh, are you going to just walk away? Are you going to blow this at any minute? And it really showed just how deep and how misguided uh, the KKK was with their hatred. Like mm -hmm. they were kind of indiscriminate with, all of the groups that they hated and even somebody who looked like them, they still hated because of their race and no other reason. So I feel like his whole character and his conflict was so beautifully done and was such a rich addition to this film. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. And it, it added a layer of complexity to the plot, but I totally agree more so that it, it it kind of felt like we we were to identify with Adam Driver in a lot of ways where, you know, it's like he initially was, like, not a part of this. Um, there was that one scene where Adam Driver's character and Ron Stallworth are in the... Um, the the records room? The records room, yes. <laughs> the filing room. Yeah, so they're in the records room and... Um, Adam Driver is basically like, this is just a job to me. I, I'm like, I'm just doing my job here. I, I'm not invested really. And Ron Stallworth turns to him and he's like, you've been passing for a wasp white boy. Like, why are you acting like you don't have skin in the game? And it kind of felt like we were to identify with that in a lot of ways. It's like, you're sitting on the sidelines, but like, this is very much relevant to you as well. Like get in the game like this is this is not just this other two groups of people warring against each other or having a conflict like you're very much a part of it in a lot of ways and I thought that was a really interesting way to make it so that we as audience members are feeling like like shit like 
this is very much relevant to me as well. This is not some like external thing that's happening that's not relevant. Um, so I thought that that whole scene was also really well done to show that interaction between them of being like, hey, like this is very much part of your story as well. Nothing happens in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. We're all connected. Yeah. So this film is very unsubtle about its commentary on our political situation it today as well. It sure is. <laughs> just as, it like weaves it in there, but it's so blatant that you're like, yep, I, I, I get what you're trying to say. I hear you. Which... At first, I mean, I laughed because I got the references and I was like, oh, okay, guys, we're going there. Cool. Yep, that's fine. I can follow you down this path. Um, But then after completing the film and watching the footage from Charlottesville, then I think all those little digs at the president made a lot more sense because Mm -hmm. of how he's handled so many of these things in my opinion he hasn't responded to things appropriately and I think in reframing it it reframing it around the events at Charlottesville then those comments make sense that they Mm -hmm. included throughout if they hadn't included that I probably would have just been like okay yeah that was funny but like What's the point? Mm -hmm. But this film is almost like a direct response to the events at Charlottesville and Trump's mishandling of that event. I think it completely warrants um, that critical light that they shone on him Mm -hmm. um, throughout the film. Yes. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of Tully in a lot of ways where like once you see the ending, you go back and think through the rest of the film and it just yeah. like has this emotional weight and stakes that are so much bigger than you thought as you were going through it the first time, which is such an interesting way of doing it instead of constantly like being very blatant about it, like kind of saves all this like big impact thing for the very end to reframe this whole experience that you just went through. Yeah. And while I was, while I was watching, I, there were, there was at least one time where they referenced making America great again. Mm -hmm. And I thought of one of my friends, he and I have had this conversation and he is black and we've talked about that slogan and he's like, what do you mean make America great again? Do you think America was great when my people were in slavery? Mm, and so interesting. that in, in the context of the film, when they said that, that was what I flashed back to was that conversation with him. And I went, Oh, what are we doing here? Mm. Where are we going with this? So I think, I think a lot of the sentiments expressed in the film um even the not so subtle ones are definitely shared um with people who are displeased with our political system right now so I think even in that Spike Lee and the rest of the creators of the film were able to give voice to maybe some things that people have been saying but um 
hopefully people feel like, hey, I feel that way too. Like they, their voices were amplified because of this film. Mm. Yeah, this is, this is one of those films that I'm so curious to see how it will age in like 50 years or 100 years. Because yeah. we watching it now can pick up on a lot of those references, um, a lot of the even like plot points in the film around the relationship between cops and the people. Um, like all of those bits are so top of mind for all of us today. But and I hope they aren't in fifty to a hundred years. But so many of those references. I think maybe lost or would require some research to understand what was happening in the time, understanding who the president was at the time. Like all of these things in a hundred years is going to be a very different viewing experience than we had watching it in the year that it came out. Yeah, that's very true. I just, man, I hope that I hope that this film will be a revealing of history. It won't be showing how things are in 50 or 100 years. Because, mm-hmm. man, that would be such a shame. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting to see its impact many, many decades from now in 50 to 100 years. Because I think it it may provide a window into what was current at our times right now. Like I hope people in 50 to 100 years are like Googling and reading about the Charlottesville attack to know more about it. And they may not, it may not be this as top of mind as it is for us now, but maybe this film helps prompt that or be a window for that. The same way that this film actually was such a window into our history of Hollywood and Birth of a Nation and the way that Birth of a Nation was popular at the time and the way it was received. Like I certainly did a lot more Googling after watching this film to know more about that, that this film helped prompt me to be more informed about that. And I, I kind of hope that the same way that this film could do that for like Birth of a Nation and Gone with the Wind, that it can be that window again um, in 50 to 100 or 200 years of what was really relevant at the time for us now. And if, hope this doesn't happen, but if for some reason um, our year of 2019 and the current times are painted in a more glossy way, that maybe the viewing of this film helps break that and shatter that a little bit because people will be curious and go digging. Yeah, because this film, whew, it does not play. So if you would like uh, your image shattered, please <laughs> feel free. Watch this. So there are a lot of things we didn't get a chance to dive into. So one of them is this film's kind of like revenge on old Hollywood history, Birth of a Nation, some of the racist films that were like really big blockbusters at the time. The whole portrayal of the police as quote unquote pigs and all of that theme we didn't get to dive into. Um, but I think it's good to mention that they're very much baked into this film and make for some really interesting discussions with people that you saw the film with. I think the 
that conversation between Ron and Patrice where she, and there's multiple of them, but when she's calling the cops pigs still, even after he has asked her not to call them that, and then he reveals to her that he is a cop and she is so offended almost by that. I think that that was such a powerful moment. Um, and once again, like I wondered how uh, police people of color today feel mm-hmm. um, because the police are constantly, I feel like every day or every other day, there's news of the police shooting another pick an ethnicity man like it's mm-hmm. it's rampant and so i i loved that they also portrayed ron's desire since he was a kid to be a cop even though he was black even though he knew um what he was walking into he was the first black police officer in colorado springs he he knew that this was going to be rough he knew how black people saw the police and he still chose that life. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that was another beautiful facet of this film. Um, It just added more interest and complexity to it. Yeah. And we need people who, who still want to be police officers. Like if anything, more than ever, what I hope isn't happening is that people are shying away from that profession because it's, just, just this is a challenging role and it's getting so much controversy and backlash and all these things. And it's so delicate that we still need people who are good, who desire to protect and to protect well, to be in those positions. Um, more than any time ever, it, we, we, need, we need that and not to shy away from it. So kind of final thoughts on this film. Um, as I've been thinking about this the the more that I think about this film the more that I like it um and I feel like that usually doesn't happen for me I feel like I usually dislike films more after (laughs) the more that I think about them but this one it continues to grow on me and I think that this is probably one of one of the most important films of our time. And I doubt that I'm going to see anything quite this powerful for a while. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of great films that are made every year. We have a lot of really talented directors and writers and actors and all of these amazing people that create entertainment for us. But there's something so special about this film And while I'm saddened that it's a commentary on our current state, I'm so glad that it does exist and that Spike Lee and everybody that went into making this decided to get on board and bring this into reality because it really is important and it's a film that should be discussed and shared and I hope that it sparks conversations and can lead to maybe some awareness and understanding that wasn't there before, Mm -hmm. which is so special. 
Yeah. This is I have so much respect for this film and for the filmmakers yeah. and production company to be so unafraid to to create a piece of work that they know is kind of like a gut punch for a lot of people and it's not a fun it's not fun to be woken up. No one likes to hear their alarms going off in the morning, right? But this film is so unafraid and so clear with its mission of what it wants to show and why it's wanting to show that, that I just have so much respect for that vision and the gutsy ballsiness of Spike Lee and Jordan Peele and the production company that chose to fund this and take it on. And um, it's such an important film. And I, I hope that it continues on to be a big cultural piece um and this will lead perfectly into our special bonus episode but it's it's a shame that it didn't win because oftentimes people will re revisit the oscar best pictures and will go and watch them and so i i wish this had would be able to have that much visibility moving forward into the the fogginess of our future right like i I wish it would have that kind of um, stamp on it so that it's popping up on people's um, radars as an important film to watch. But I, I still hope it does that regardless um, as a cultural piece, as a portrayal of history and our current times. And um, it's honestly, it's a fun film too, which is like what I never would have expected to say after all of the other parts of the conversation that we've had in our review, but it was a really fun film. So just artfully done from so many different levels. I completely agree. It was, it was masterful. So if you, if you are a filmmaker or you're an aspiring filmmaker and you want to know how to create something that is powerful and has a strong, message but is also light and whimsical and fun and comedic all at the same time uh this is a really good one to just dissect and learn from because it really is a masterpiece yeah i hope this has prompted so many interesting discussions all all around about all, many different topics um that's the hope right I mean, ultimately for film to just be a conversation starter and to have really awesome, beautiful things happen from that. And film that film was just kind of the initial spark, but hopefully there's many good things that come out of this film. All right, well, this is our review of Black Klansman. Um, in the amount of time that we had, there's so many topics in so many ways. We could have um, taken the episode, but the, you know, we only had so much time. So there's lots that we didn't cover, and we're totally aware of that. But um, hey, that's a sign of a good film, right? When there's just an, a whole plethora of things to discuss, not enough time to discuss them. Sign of a good film. Yep. So many good topics, so little time. Mm -hmm. but, so. This film was nominated for a Best Picture, which we mentioned at the beginning of, the, of this episode. And we thought it'd be a really interesting discussion to talk about this film in comparison to the 
film that I actually won, which is Green Book, which we also recorded an episode on that. So um, we're going to do a little bit of a follow-up discussion to kind of look at these two films and some of the implications of um, the Academy's choice and just talk about it a little bit. So a little bonus episode for you guys um, coming up next. So stay tuned for that. So that's our review of Black Klansman. We hope you guys have an awesome week and we'll see you in a bit. (laughs) 